The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Miami, baby, going to the finals. I'm Benito, I'm Miami, and Boston isn't. And the reason, folks, is because the Celtics played their worst basketball at the worst possible time, doing the thing that pretty much everyone does when they go down 3-0. They lose. They lose in six, they lose in five, they lose in four, they lose in seven. It's never been done, and that's why. We'll break down also this disaster in full, but we'll also get into the latest coaching changes, including... Adrian Griffin to the Bucks, Nick Nurse to the Sixers, and we'll also touch on a little news from around the league as well. Kind of sad, not going to lie. It's time for the finals. Let's get into it, Nick, and drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. Well, that sucked. That sucked. What a what a shitty game 7. It was way worse than Game 7 last year at the exact same day and the exact same time. It didn't suck that Boston, per se, lost in 7. And now that we have a Miami-Denver Finals, that's actually, I kind of like that. It sucked because Boston's, they, they just didn't show up. They might have played the worst closeout game in the history of the closeout game. It sucked, baby, because Tatum rolled his ankle on the first play of the game. It sucked because Boston... Because, Boston, you were doing so well at the, like, whole game of basketball thing. Like, sharing the ball, moving when you don't have it, beautiful game type stuff. It sucked because Boston reverted back to all the things that put them in that 3-0 hole to begin with. It was so incredibly ugly. It was so disgusting that it, 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 it defied description. It was so pointless. I was bored. Let's be real. The Celtics, they, they've been winning a lot of games largely, strictly on their talent. They play some of the worst brand of basketball I've ever seen. When, when they decide to play real basketball, it looks great, like it did in games four, four five, part of six. But in this case, again, they go, went back to their losing ways. They played horrible basketball. They settled for jumpers. They never moved the ball. They got back to their ISO basketball bullshit on the perimeter. They played hero ball without a damn hero to speak of on the floor. It was a double-digit lead almost from the jump, folks. They couldn't make a single three, the Celtics. They were 0, from, 0 for 12. Yes, 0 for 12 from three to start the game. 9 for 42 from 3 for the full duration of the game. 
the only player on the Celtics that looked like he was going to up to be up to the challenge was Derek. My name's Kodak Black, but when you see me, I'm white. He was like literally one of the only players who tried to create his own shot and didn't just settle for jumpers. He got to the free throw line. He got to the rim. He hit mid-range shots. And it was like, where's where's Jalen Brown? Where where's Marcus Smart at? Why are why is this Derek White's team now? You had Joe Mazzula looking stunned out there. Derek White had 18. 18. I think that's more than Jason Tatum. I think Tatum, even with his little baby injury, I think he had 14 points. Yep, that's right. He was one for four from three, 11 rebounds, 14 points. Humbly, one of the best players in the world to go home in seven after being down 3-0. Just humbly going home uh, and to Cancun. And now where are we? We are to the point where the the talk is getting louder again. It just reignited it. Is Joe Missoula the right coach for the job in Boston? Shh. Don't ask nobody too loud. Because there's nothing about this game that makes you confident in him moving forward, is there? This one. Not games four, five, six. I mean, this one. His coaching largely in this playoffs is a roller coaster. It's like dating someone who is attractive, fun, interesting. And then you go out to dinner and he constantly disrespects the waiter, the busboy, the woman selling candies in the bathroom. Red Flag City, population Joe Missoula. I don't care how handsome you are. I don't care how devout you are. I don't care what kind of things you say. Listen, if you're not treating the people right, we got problems. If the Celtics were a guy right now on Tinder, they would be like, uh, excuse me, uh, habla inglés, senor. Like, that's Joe, that's the Celtics. Like, ugh, ugh. What's this hombre think he's fucking doing putting cilantro on my taco? Where do we even begin? Where do we begin? Like, in terms of what they specifically did poorly, let's kind of get into that. All they did for game six and game seven were just chuck threes. Just largely early in the shot clock, contested, gross, step back threes. They got lucky in game six because Derek White, my name's Kodak Black, but when you see me, I'm white, saved their ass. But in game seven, Jimmy was better, Eric Spolster was better, and they brought um, Caleb Martin, a.k.a. Robin, with him. Do you know how bad things got for the Boston Celtics? Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Shush the crowd in the fourth quarter. Duncan Robbins, the guy who was getting DMPs in the second half of the season, the guy that you had, it was like uh, he was on a milk carton for most of the year. We hadn't seen or heard from Duncan Robinson, the guy that people were clowning, saying might have the worst contract in the league. He was saying, shh, don't, no, don't fight it. Shh, just, just lay down. Everything you need to know about the Boston offense was found in the first quarter from like 7.26 left in the quarter when Boston was up 9-4. Here is a list 
of every Celtics possession for the remainder of the first quarter. 726. Derek, my name's Kodak Black, but when you see me, I'm white. He misses a three. JB misses an 18-foot two. Smart misses a three. White misses a three. I'll save you it over and over. White at 547 misses a three. 539, JB misses an 18-foot step back. 445, Horford misses a three. 427, JB misses a three. 420, Derek White finally makes an eight-footer. 345, Brogdon misses a three. 234, JB fouled on a jumper and makes a couple of free throws. 210, Smart misses a running jumper. 145, Brogdon misses a layup. 112, JB misses a driving layup. 108, are you bored yet with all these misses? 108, Robert Williams misses a putback. 103, uh, Robert Williams, Time Lord, makes a four-footer. 36 seconds left in the quarter, JB misses another three. Three seconds left in the corner, JB misses a layup. Boston had 16 possessions for the remainder of the quarter, and this was the best that they could do. Eight missed three-pointers, two missed long twos, and six drives that ended with six points. And the Heat ended up that first quarter up 22-15. to 15. What a complete and utter disaster of a quarter in a Game 7. What a failure. Wait, what a step to success that was. What a complete and utter step to success of coaching to design any offensive plays that aren't three-point shots or iso ball. Just didn't, just wouldn't, just no screens, no back cuts, nothing. And that stretch in the first quarter was replicated throughout the game. We will not spare it. We will not, we will not give you any more of the play-by-play. We will spare you with the ugly details. But just believe me, that's what it was. Boston had no creativity. And when questions about it came after the game, as you knew it was going to, Joe Missoula's answer was, we missed threes. That was the reason. We played, the defense was there. That's what you're going to expect when you have Joe Missoula around. Non-answers, non-accountability, basically putting the onus on whether his team makes threes or misses three. Make or miss league. It's a make. He might as well just said that. It's a make or miss league. So, I don't know, it's a make or miss league. His teams, Joe Missoula's teams, they're going to put up 35, 45 threes a game. They're going to beat a lot of mediocre teams in the regular season. They're going to probably struggle in the playoffs. They'll probably end up winning many of those series because they're the most talented team. But the flaws will continuously be exploited by better teams later in the rounds. Where does that leave Boston? With a lot of questions. And it starts with Jalen Brown. He's entering his contract year. As we know, because Jalen Brown was second team All-NBA, they can offer him uh, more than anyone else. He can't get a Supermax if he goes anywhere else. He's eligible for five years, $295 million from Boston, which is a, the tune of $59 million a year. Can I ask you something? Can I ask me, you, and the lamppost this? Do you think Jalen Brown is worth $60 million? I don't know if there's five players in the league worth $60 million. He had eight turnovers in Game 7, and I like Jalen Brown, and I am like a fan. Eight, I repeat, eight turnovers. 
The rest of the Celtics had seven turnovers as a team. Why can't Jalen Brown dribble? I'm a little, I'm a little upset. I thought I was going to Boston. Will they break up the Jays? I don't know. I remember back before Celtics won three in a row, we were getting all kinds of rumors about a toxic locker room. One insider was like, oh, yeah, they're getting tired of pretending to like one another. And then they went to Top Golf. And they apparently all bonded. They didn't talk about the games. They didn't watch any film. They basically just became 15-year-olds uh, going to the driving range and drinking some brews with their buddies. And now all of a sudden it's do, re, mi, fa, fa, la, ti, do, whatever they say. You can't hide a shit show like this, though. Not when two superstars are making $60 million per year. As for Miami... I hate that I had to make it about Boston because congratulations. You did not choke away the first 3-0 lead ever in history. Congratulations on that first and foremost. You deserve all the credit in the world for getting it done, especially in Boston. You get the credit for Jimmy Butler coming to play and doing exactly what he said he was going to do. You get credit uh, for Coach Spo, who right after Game 6, by the way, was like ready to start Game 7 that very moment. He was like, I'm ready to get this tip right now. Like now. Like now. He solidified, I believe, for the world that he's the best coach in the NBA, and it's not close. Uh, I think there's a big chasm between him and everyone else, even the next best coach. And the reason why is because nobody gets as much out of less than him. Like, no one gets more from less than Spo. And that's no shade to, to the Max Struces of the world, which, by the way, Boston cut for Taco Fall, like Taco Fall, a, a novelty item, a, a like a, a carnival barker in the world of the NBA, a six foot or seven foot four, like monster who they just brought out to sell concessions. They, I, I don't know what they were doing with that. No shade to Max Struess, no shade to the ghost of Kyle Lowry who played excellent. No shade to Duncan Robinson or any of these other guys who are clearly not you know, tier one players. He gets the most. No disrespect to Haywood Highsmith. Do you think Joe Missoula would have even played Haywood Highsmith a single minute in this series? No. Also, Jimmy Butler, you were incredible. Three for seven from three for a guy who is just really not a three-point shooter. Three steals, doing everything to help this team win. But if we're honest with ourselves... It was a Caleb Martin game, folks. It was. He didn't deserve the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, but he deserved this series MVP. 26 tonight, 4 for 6 from 3, 10 rebounds, played almost the entire game. Mind you, our man Caleb Martin is making $6.8 million per year. That right there is Heat culture. Miami Heat as a team, 49% overall from the field, 50% from 3. The truth is... If you shoot 50% from three, not a lot of teams are going to beat you. And that was the the story of the game, baby. Pretty much the entire playoff run story for Miami is if they shoot like no one thinks they can shoot, and they have been, they're going to win a lot of games in the postseason, in the regular season, whenever. Just an incredible run of shooting. And like the meme on social media says, no way the Heat can keep shooting like this, right? Sure can. We move on to the finals, which we'll break down later on this week. But for now, I think I need a shower to get the stench 
out of the Boston Celtics performance off of me. I realize there's now one silver lining for Boston. They're on 148 days before the start of the 2023-2024 season. That means Joe and the Celtics can watch the town a grand total of 84 and a half times before tip-off to the new season. So, Joe, let me ask you, whose cow are we going to take? We on to the finals. A lot of news popping around the league. Let's start with some coaching news. First and foremost, I kind of knew it was coming, but it was a shock to see. I'm talking about Nick Nurse coaching the Philadelphia 76ers. It is not as if this news should come to a great shock to anyone. Nurse pulled his name out of the running for the Bucks job, and at that point, the likeliest place for him to land was either one of the top-tier jobs, Philly or Phoenix. Bill Simmons insists that Kevin Young is going to get the Phoenix job, so that leaves the 76ers. But still, when Woj dropped the this is the bomb, this is the sound of the Woj bomb, when he dropped that, I, sh- I gasped, I shrieked, I, I don't even remember the sound that I made, but it was a combination of surprise, glee, and absolute malicious joy. Happiness, because I love Nick Nurse. I want to see what he does. I want to I see him torment these men. I really do. I do. I want to see him run James Harden into the ground. I want to see him shorten these rotations so small that they're like... Six men, seven men in the rotation. I want to see Joel Embiid icing his knees after the first quarter in game 62. I want to see George Nang with a normal body fat percentage. That's what I want. And then I'm surprised because I can't believe Daryl Morey pulled the trigger. I can't. I can't believe James Harden would have signed off on this. No chance. Either Daryl Morey finesse James with a supermax contract of five years and whatever, or James is gone regardless. And Daryl was like, yeah, I agree. We can't have another Brett Brown. We can't have another Doc Rivers. And Mike D'Antoni, he's just too damn nice. Uh, I thought that they would reunite him just like they did with the rest of the Rockets in Philadelphia, but no. Daryl Morey is in self-preservation mode and nothing that Daryl Morey does more than protect his own damn ass. Of course, we'll get into lots of details on the signing in the coming weeks, but the first breadcrumb to drop came right after when league sources leaked that Nurse had met with JoJo Embiid before he was hired, meaning that the league MVP signed off on the hiring. Did he, though? Did he? I have so many thoughts. First and foremost... How is James Harden going to live down Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse is not going to let you go to Vegas, James, to reunite with little baby in the middle of the playoffs. Nick Nurse, James, is not going to let you head to Houston on every single off day. Uh, The answer, I guess, is complicated. He's either going to try to bolt town 
or find another team to take on that $40 million a year contract. That's not as easy as it seems. What teams are going to be interested in him at that price? Not Houston, not with Emi Udoka, no chance. Clippers? I don't know about that. Uh, Lakers? Maybe. I can't think of many places where he would be wanted and who can handle a big, that big of a price tag. The second option, I guess, is to stay in Philly and thug it out. But now that that is full of peril because there is just no way, like I said, that Nick Nurse is going to allow the shenanigans that James Harden is used to doing and pulling. I don't know if they're going to be able to coexist, but I can't wait to see it unfold because you already know how I feel about Philadelphia. I wish them all the success in the world. No, I don't. You know I don't. Absolutely can't wait to see this dumpster fire unfold. From what we know about how Doc tried to handle things in Philly, trying to keep Harden's partying down, impacting his play on the court, Harden being consistently upset he wasn't the number one option in the offense moving forward. Because of that, Doc got fired. The only saving grace is that we know that Nick Nurse loved running the offense through Fred Van Fleet. To his peril and his firing, but he did love running the offense through the point guard. So, hey, I don't know. Going to be the most fascinating season in Philly in a long time. I can't wait to see what the Sixers do with the coach. Who knows how to handle timeouts, juggle a roster, prepare a team for big games, run a box in one. And, like, trust the process. Trust the process. They're going to have to listen to Nick Nurse. That's not going to be the easiest thing to do, especially when he's slandering your star's good name in the media in game like 27. Good luck with that. Uh, moving on, the other team that finally settled on a head coach is the Milwaukee Bucks. When Nick Nurse pulled his name from consideration, presumably to take the Sixers' job or because Giannis didn't want him to have it, whatever reason you want to decide you believe, the Bucks landed on Adrian Griffin. A.J. Griffin's father. Fascinating hire. Rumors generally had the books looking at uh, more seasoned coaches. Griffin had been an assistant for the Raptors under Nurse for the past five years. He's been a bench coach in the NBA since 2008. So it's like a long time coming. But the fascinating thing is that he's just never been a head coach before. And most people think that it was partly coaching problems in the first place that held the Bucks back. But hell, Darvin Ham got his team to the Western Conference Finals. So, hey, you never know what's possible. I, I believe in Adrian Griffin. Of course, as is par for the course for the NBA, Giannis signed off on the hire. According to Haynes, Giannis vouched for Adrian Griffin. Uh, he probably wasn't going to get the job otherwise, let's be honest. I, I had two people tell me that Giannis was not a big fan of Nick Nurse. So you take that either with a grain of salt or more than that. Griffin's MO has always been a gritty defense. And, of course, the Bucks have all NBA defensive players all over the roster. So this is a team that could be tailor-made for a coach like him who also specializes in player development all the way back to the time when he was with the Bulls and Jimmy Butler. The Bucks' number one offseason move is to lock up Brooke Lopez. He is an unrestricted free agent. And also figure out whether they want to keep Chris Middleton and whether he fits into their long-term plans. But make no bones about it. This team is 100% better defensively next year. And if they can stay healthy, the Bucks will be tough for anyone to get them out next season. Let's move on. Huge potential news brewing out in Golden State. 
Mark Stein reports, and let's be real, like the bird, little birdies have been whispering this for a little while now that Bob Myers is unlikely to come back as GM of the Warriors. I can't tell you. This is a huge deal. This really is. This is such a big deal for Golden State. This is the first crack in the foundation. This is the architect or one of the architects of their dynasty. Uh, the fascinating thing to me is that it would appear that Myers is more likely to leave the NBA at least for a year rather than to sign with a new team. I have personally heard that he got uh, an offer to work for a venture capital firm for a very large sum of money that was not involved in basketball at all. Myers has a uh, scheduled press conference on Tuesday, and Mark Stein wrote this. It's believed that Bob Myers does not want to sit down at an interview podium until his decision about staying with the Warriors or walking away from his post is both made and ready to be shared with the public. So what does this mean for the Warriors? Whew. Our dubs, troubled waters ahead. <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. During his tenure, Myers has been the rock of Gibraltar, especially with Draymond Green. Either in bringing in important free agents like KD or renegotiating contracts that make big stars like Curry and Clay happy. Also, he started a podcast. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> he was really good on the mic, so... We'll see if he keeps that up. Let's this past season though uh, was definitely the most troubling in his long tenure because we didn't know whether he was coming back. There were no extension talks. We kind of knew he was on his way out after Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the face, and then uh, yeah, then the season kind of fell off the rails. It's not as if Joe Lacob didn't try to keep him. Joe Lacob was happy and prepared to make Bob Myers the most expensive GM in the entire league. Myers will never hurt for a job, especially in the NBA. I think he's going to be very highly coveted. My guess is that he takes at least a year off, and he could get pretty much any job that he wants next year. If he wants to be a venture capitalist and podcaster, then God bless him. If he wants to start a Papa John's, God bless him. But if he comes back to the NBA, my guess is that he comes back with the Clippers and Steve Ballmer and Jerry West with him reunite. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Friday. Is that true? Yes. We will be back Friday uh, with an all-new episode. We are well into the conference finals. Actually, that is a lie. We are now into the finals. That was a, an incorrect closing statement check out the feed for past episodes past many episodes which drop uh, a lot and follow the heat check as this season is now coming to a close do not forget to download subscribe please tell your friends every single one of them and follow us on social at this heat check on tiktok at trista crick on tiktok at trista crick on instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Big ups to my producer on a late night, Nick Berlansky, and I thank all you knuckleheads for rocking with me during the finals. We will see you next time.